This is episode number 151 of the Rising Man Podcast with Erica Vargas. You can't commit to a relationship fully until you've fully committed to yourself. What's up, Rising Man family? Jetty Azuma here, welcoming you back to the Rising Man Podcast. I'm your host and creator of this show, as well as the founder of the Rising Man Movement. And before we get into today's episode, I want to make sure that if you haven't heard yet, we have an amazing new offer in the Rising Man community. It's called Ignite. It's the first 12-week online series that I've created to help you launch yourself into a life of purpose and freedom. How good does that sound? This is something I've been working on for a long time behind the scenes. We just dropped it on Tuesday and I want to make sure I mention it here because those of you guys who've been listening to the podcast who haven't felt quite ready to jump into any of our other offers yet, Ignite is an easy way for you to get your foot wet, get your foot in the door. It's stupid affordable right now, I promise you. And it's a way for you to do your work uh, at your own pace and still be a part of this community. So I'll say that much. Go to risingman.org slash ignite to check that out and all the other offers that we have going in the Rising Man community. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss this one. All right, let me introduce my guest for today. This is a woman, a sister of mine that I love, Miss Erica Vargas. For as long as Erica can remember, she had a vision of living in a world where the healthy masculine and divine feminine lives in peaceful harmony within each of us. Over eight years ago, she went on her own journey of self-love, self-discovery, and self-worth. During this period, she discovered her purpose on this beautiful earth is to support the reintegration of a healthy partnership between men and women. She does this through coaching people on their journey of revealing and claiming their heart's truest desire. Also, she's an advocate for the healthy men through her podcast, In Search of Good Men. In this episode, Erica and I simplified the relationship game for you guys out there. Erica is a master in understanding men and women and male-female dynamics in relationships. We spoke about what women are actually saying and how we as men can learn to listen more deeply to provide safe spaces for women. She educated us on the challenges of being a woman, on the look for a male partner, and what women are looking for these days. Erica told us why we need to put ourselves in our partner's shoes more and take a closer look at ourselves before we ask our partners to change. We talked about men ghosting women. Stop doing that, guys, by the way. (laughs) And how women much prefer honesty instead of trying not to let them down. Lastly, we talked about the work that's needed to find a suitable partner for you and so much more. I love this episode. I love this woman. Go check it out. Without further ado, Erica Vargas. Rising Man family, I have a really, really special guest on the show today. My sister, Erica Vargas, coming in hot from Lubbock, Texas, though originally from the NARD, Oxnard, yes, California. Baby. What's up? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> All 805, baby, for those of you out 805, there. 805, represent. <laughs> <laughs> for all you guys who don't know Erica, she is my wife's best friend in the world. You guys have known each other for more than half a lifetime, been through all kinds of stuff together. Erica is pretty much the reason I got into podcasting. We'll talk a little bit about that story in a second. And she's also been 
the main coach and relationship support for my wife and I ever since we met eight years ago. In fact, we should start off with the story of when you met me for the first time. So I had met Carrie like a week before and you were like the ultimate best friend filter. So Carrie's like, ain't no way I'm going to even consider this dude unless Erica (laughs) gives him the okay. So, so what was your perspective or perception of me when you first met me? Just tell that story through your eyes. Okay. But before we even get there, For those of you who do know Carrie, and for those of you who don't, Carrie has this way of being like, okay, but also like he's totally not like normally the type of guy I go for. He's younger. She wanted to make sure I knew all the things that were like, I totally get if this is not, if you're a no on this guy, like, you know, he's not the norm. (laughs) He's younger than I am. He's younger than I, he's younger than I am. I'm like, okay, Carrie, like, I get it. Like you're in the, and, and she's like, and I don't even know. I remember her being like, I don't even know if this is anything. Like right now we're just hanging out. And I was like, okay, cool. Like no pressure. Did and she so, throw in there that I was looking like Captain Jack Sparrow at the time? When she <laughs> probably, I'm sure she did. <laughs> I, don't, I think it was more like, it was just more like, this isn't normally the man that I've ever really been with. Like, you know, dreads, long dreads, you know, that kind of thing. Who's at the time, I think you were traveling, right? You weren't even... No, yeah, I was traveling. I was on the road. Yeah, you weren't even like in a job or even in like co- anything. It was like you're traveling and figuring out who you were. So it was like, he's not on purpose yet. He has dreads. He's younger than I am. Like it was, there was all these things. I was like, okay, care. Like I hear you and I can't wait to meet him. And what was the name? It was a coaching group we were part of. The Anto group. Anto. The Anto group. Yeah. yeah. So in Ventura, there's an Anto group that we all would show up for on a pretty weekly basis and go over all the things we were learning. And we were learning more stuff about coaching and on a logical being, you know, the study of being and and Jetty's going to this one. So I decided to go. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go so I can meet this guy. And I got to tell you first, I sit down like in the kind of corner back with Carrie and Carrie goes, that's him. And I go, I know. And she's like, how do you know? I'm like, I just know. Like I knew, (laughs) I knew she said the dreads thing, but there was a, I don't know, a feeling it's, it's going to sound woo woo, but a feeling I was like, oh yeah, I know that person. And then you immediately walked over and introduced yourself. And so I was like, yeah, I like this guy because he (laughs) didn't wait for Carrie to bring us over. He was like, that's the best friend. That's who I have to impress. I'm going straight (laughs) for her. And we talked and you were kind of quiet and you weren't in, in the group. You weren't like super like outgoing and like sharing a bunch. And so I remember leaving. We're going to my car. Carrie's walking in my car because she wants to know what I think. And I remember her going, well, he didn't really talk that much. I feel like you didn't really get to know him. And I'm like, Carrie, I like him. I think like, I honestly feel like this is your future husband. And she was like, wait, hold up. Like, okay, we're just talking right now. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I just feel like there's something really special about this man and I can't explain it. And I don't know. I feel like Carrie and I are parts of the same soul in some way. So when you meet, one of your soulmates, soulmates, you are like, it's your soulmate too. And that was the feeling, right? It was that feeling of like, I've known this man a hundred years, seven generations. I've known this man before. So now I know that I like, I feel good about it. And of course, Carrie being Carrie, but you know, he's like six years younger than me. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Carrie, we know he's younger. And you know, he's traveling right now. Yes, we know, you know? And it was just one of those things where I was like, Carrie is long. As you continue to ask for what you need, what you want, and your standards, you can't go wrong here. Like, if he's not ready to be there, then he'll let you know. Um, uh, But you can't worry about all that. Like, enjoy this connection that you can't explain with someone. Because that was really the way she's like, I I really can't explain it. And I was like, I get that. 
that's what happens. Like it, it's not something you could put into words until five, 10 years later and you're telling, you know, somebody else who's about to get married, how you met. And then you guys, you can kind of put in what was going on into words, but even then it's hard. And so that was the first time I met Jetty. It was like, so love at first sight right there. I was like, love at first sight. I'm good. Heck yeah. yeah. And likewise too. I was like, all right. Yeah. That's what it was. I was like, I know that, I know that this is the best friend. If this is going to happen and she's going to have to approve of me. And I remember it was like a connection. I remember you saying soul fam, like soul family, like right off the bat, sometimes that just happens and you know, and I think that's the feeling that most people are looking for in not just romantic relationship, but connection in general, because there's not many Erica Vargas's in my life. <laughs> there's, I mean, there, there is only one Erica Vargas in my life and there's not many people that fall into that circle. So when you have that connection with someone, somebody right off the bat, it's something special. And I know I've always, I've always kept people like that really close and really tight in my circle. It's one of the things I value the most is relationships and connections. So yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. And I I don't know if there's people who miss out on that because they're imagining it's going to be something different or trying to intellectualize their relationship. I know for me, I'm grateful that I bypassed the whole online dating realm because to me, that's just like an over-intellectualized version of trying to create relationship, which we can talk about in a second. But yeah, that was a really special moment. And then quick fast forward, we don't have to go into the story because I want to talk about relationship stuff, but with your podcast, In Search of Good Men. Shout out to that. You guys should all check it out because Erica's the bomb. You brought me on as a guest. I think I was like maybe like your third or fourth guest. And it was the first time I was ever asked to be on a podcast. And I was like, this is great. And that was how I met Sean Offenbach. Shout out to Sean, who was editing and producing your podcast. And then we had a conversation and, you know, a few months later, Rising Man was born. So, you know, thank you. Big gratitude to you. You probably don't get enough credit for everything that you're doing here. You know what? Luckily, I wear a key around my neck that says humble. I always look at that when I'm like, you know what? Humility, Erica. Like you're just one part of the spoke, you know, of the wheel of all of this happening. So thank you for saying that. And I don't need it because something I I feel, you know, deep in my heart, and I share this with anyone who'll listen, is that what you're doing with the rising man is so needed in the world. And it was something that I envisioned with In Search of Good Men. And I do have the podcast. It's three seasons. And just let you guys know, like, I'm not as consistent as Jetty is because I do it when it feels time to do it. It's very, that's very sacral for me. And so, but what you're doing was the vision, right? For In Search of Good Men. It was this vision of, I want to show the world that good men exist, that they exist. I want to be that ally for them. And it doesn't always have to look the way I imagined, which might have been my own podcast that, you know, did all of that. It was more, oh, I had to introduce Jetty to Sean. Like my podcast had to introduce Jetty to Sean because that is a beautiful relationship that built something. And then my podcast will do something else. And that's how I kind of feel about it is that that's why it's more of a a season thing. Because when it's the season, it's because it's calling me because it's calling for something else to grow out of it. And so I just love that you're doing The Rise Man. Like I said, I'll tell anyone who'll listen. And I, anytime I can, I will put on my social media, compass, every man needs to do compass. It's a necessity. By the way, Jenny and I, I'm also a vision quester, y'all. So I can relate and a guide to, too. and a guide. So I can relate to the journey and I can support it. And I just love that about what you've created as Rising Man, that you're integrating men into that next level into their life, whatever that is for them, because it's different for everyone. But integration is so, it's been taken away from us through capitalism, success, society, technology, you know, 
that's all taking away the part of us that needs, you know, integration threshold, all of those things in the world. And so I'm stoked. That's what In Search of Good Men did. That already is like awesome. I already did one cool <laughs> thing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, you definitely get a big acknowledgement in the story of Rising Man. It really is so nice to kind of come full circle. That was probably three years ago that we did that interview. So here we are three years later. And I want to make sure I want to pivot over to you because so much of your magic is in the realm of relationships. You said it perfectly earlier today that you're bilingual. You speak the masculine language and the feminine language or the, the dude language and the, and the girl language, right? You, you do it so well. And one thing I can say about you is in, despite the fact that Carrie is your best friend, every single time that we've come to you asking for coaching, asking for advice and support, I've always felt very supported and very held and from a very objective and neutral space, which that's a gift. That's not an easy thing to do. And so how are you able to do that? What is it that allows you to take on that role of objectivity when you've got a man and a woman who are in conflict with each other in their relationship? That's a great question. I want to start with the bilingual of the feminine and the masculine. When I realized, and this is something I realized at a very young age, like high school, that I understood. And I thought I was a tomboy, right? So I was like, oh, I'm just a tomboy. That's why I understand men. But then I realized, well, no, I really get along with women and I like to dance and I like girls night out. So I, I have the feminine too. And I understand where they're coming from as well. And so I would say, so I've thought about this, like, where does this come from? And I think part of that is having this really honest and open relationship with my brother and my father, where they were never afraid to be really honest with me about what it meant to be a man and allowed me to ask questions that probably a lot of women don't ask their brother or their dad around masculinity, sexuality, relationships. And I grew up in that atmosphere. And so when women started to come to me at a very early age about dating, I say magically, I, but I know that it was from those years of just having those conversations is I was like, um, before we just jump into all of the, and now I have the language for it, right? Which is assessments. Then I was like, before we go into all the judgments around what's happening, what conversations have you had? And I was doing this at like 16 years old because I had this vision of my life where like when I felt any type of trauma, I asked a question to my dad or my brother or my mom not so much my sister, we're not as close, but you know, I like as a child, I would ask the question, I'd, I'd have a conversation about it. And I think that by really just being committed to that and consistent with what's the conversation, what conversation have you had, has catapulted me into really wanting to understand men. And I know that I understood women because I am one and I have large circles of beautiful women relationships and communities, but it catapulted me into okay, if I'm going to ask what conversations women are having, then I need to also be sitting in those conversations. And so I started doing research on who's having those conversations. And I always give shout out to Alison Armstrong. If you don't follow Alison Armstrong, you need to do that now, as well as Erica Vargas. But yes, Alison Armstrong. And she studied men for 19 years. And when I found that out, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to study men. And so I did all of her work. I've done all of our workshops and all of that work, like going to those workshops made me realize that the thing that we're missing on both sides is taking the moment to listen, right? Just to listen. And I think that that's what allows me to do that. So I'm going to use Carrie as an example. By the way, you guys, Jenny already gave me full permission to use Je So I'm not out of an integrity. Yeah, no, no, in you're going for it. And Carrie's yeah. cool with it too. <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, when Carrie comes to me, because I'm her best friend about her husband 
and lack of a better word, kind of in a like bitching about like what's going on. The reason why I'm able to sit there and not immediately jump on the bandwagon of bitching about that is first, I've made a vow in my life not to emasculate men. And I take that vow very seriously. So if I do that, I'm emasculating men, right? So I'm, that's breaking my vow. And then the second reason is because I also know that there's probably a piece missing. And I actually, for me, it's the puzzle. How can I figure out what piece is missing? Because I know that this woman is madly, deeply in love with her husband and cherishes him. So there's a piece missing right now. How can I help her figure out that piece? Mm. And that's why I'm able to do that because it's not about you being right or Carrie being right or you being wrong or Carrie being wrong. It's about, okay, what piece of the puzzle is missing? And am I able to help them figure out what piece is missing? And then everyone's happy. Well, and that's the piece that I feel the most is that there's a genuine curiosity. You know, I talk about curiosity is the resolution or the remedy for judgment, where if we can turn our our emotions off for a moment or just set them aside and really be in that inquiry, that question of well, where is this coming from? What is the source of the breakdown? What is stirring me up inside? What has created this conflict here? And what is the other person saying, especially then there's actual resolution that's possible. But like you said, when we're more committed to being right, when we're more committed to coming out on top or feeling like we won an argument, then then nobody's getting what they want in the end. Even the person, if you do end up winning the argument, you're not getting what you want in the end because no one's happy. And I think you do such a great job of bringing that curiosity to the table of, okay, well, what's, what's actually going on here? Because like you said, most of the time, it's pretty obvious if you slow down. There's two people who really care about each other and there's something that is out of sync. There's disharmony happening. So what is the root of it? What's really beneath the surface of what's being spoken about? Yeah. And I would say that, you know, as a woman speaking to other women, it's not always easy to be in that curiosity. I'm going to be fully transparent. A lot of times I will get pushback, like especially in the dating world we're in right now and how some men are treating the dating world and women, by the way, are treating the dating world right now. When I I'm in those conversations with women and ask them to take a step back and get out of their judgment and get in their curiosity. It's not the easiest conversation to always have. Like a lot of times it's like, no, like, so what? You want me to make an excuse for the way he acted and the way he showed up? And that's not where I want to be clear about that, that that's not where it's coming from. It's not from a place of making an excuse for the way someone treated you. It's coming from a place of why would a human being want to treat another human being this way, it probably has nothing to do with you. That's all I'm trying to get to is if someone hurts you or ghosts you, that's a big one in the dating world, right? If someone ghosts you, it most likely has nothing to do with you. And the only way for me to get you kind of there, get women there, and even when I've I've actually been having a lot of conversations with men about this, is by you actually taking a moment and stepping aside from your judgment and going, okay, well, then if this isn't about me, then what's happening on that other side? Most likely it's insecurity. It's their own self-judgment. Honestly, especially nowadays, it's a addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, that they're not ready to face a new person in their life because they're, they know they have this dark horse kind of riding with them. And so I think that that's the part that's really interesting to observe right now is how do we step back and go, it's not about me. This isn't about my self-worth or my self-value. This is about somebody who's hurting, who hasn't had the tools in their life to have a conversation that says, hey, you know what? I was really excited about hanging out with you this weekend. And then I got scared 
because I know that I have a numbing problem with alcohol. I don't want you to enter that realm. Or I know that I'm addicted to sex and you seem like a good catch. So I'm not going to fuck that up and bring you into this circle. And for women who listen to this, men feel very responsible for relationships. That's a real thing. Even if it doesn't look like it always in their actions because they're not doing it the way you would have done it, they still feel very responsible. And so sometimes that looks brave by having a conversation. And sometimes it's cowardly by stepping out of something they know they don't want to bring you into. That's not healthy. Yeah. Let's jump in there for a second because there's a couple of things I want to reflect back. That ability to put yourself in the other person's shoes for a minute and say, okay, let me just entertain the possibility that this isn't about me. That this is about this person and their pain and their past traumas and hardships. To me, that's what love is really about. That's compassion right there. And if anybody wants to talk about being in love and sharing love with somebody, it doesn't even have to be your intimate partner. Being willing to consider that somebody else is having a, a human experience and is having a hardship, that they're not out to make your life harder or miserable, that they might just actually be so deep in their obstacle, their barrier, that they can't find their way out. To me, that's compassion. And it's not always easy to get there. It's not always easy to get there for me in my marriage it, with other people. I, I'm just as guilty of making judgments about people all the time. And then coming back with, oh, okay, I was judging that person. What would it be like to be that person? I'll never know exactly what it's like to be in their shoes. But if I could imagine for a second, what might that person be going through? It's what allows us to tap into empathy and be able to feel where somebody's at. So I think, I think that's really important that you bring that up. I know that there's not enough of that in modern relationships because of the guys that I work with. When I'm working with guys who are married or in a long-term committed relationship or even just dating, and they start coming to me complaining about something their partner has done or said, or I hear so much on both sides from the partner and from the guy that there's, it's, you're like, dude, it's all about you guys. You're, you're making it all about yourself. You're not even considering what it's like for the other person there. What would it be like if you thought about how that made her feel? How do you think that makes her feel? Does that make her feel more safe? Does that make her feel more secure? If you can get a guy out of his ego enough to look at it and say, well, no, I wasn't even thinking about that. Interesting. Then why are you expecting her to be thinking about you? Yeah. And I think that being able to, step out of your own shoes and, and look at how that person might be feeling, the first person you have to look at first is yourself. So the first thing for a man in that place where maybe you feel, by the way, because I know this is a big one, not heard by your partner. That's a big one. Like I've said these things and I know for women too, not heard is probably because if you were to look at yourself first, right, before you go into even the compassion part and you look at yourself and you ask yourself, am I actually being compassionate or empathetic about where I'm at? Am I being honest about where I'm at? So an example I want to use is, and men don't always even know they're going through this, but a lot of times when men are in a stage of their life where they haven't found their purpose, where they haven't figured out whether that's how they're going to make their money, how they're going to support their family, or even if it's just purpose in general, like what, why they're put up their meaning for their life. When they're in that place, there's a lot of feelings of inadequacy in that place. And then they'll be in a relationship, but they don't realize that the two are connected, right? Because they're like, well, no, I have this beautiful woman and she's amazing and I love her. And for some reason, I can't open up to her. And so she is not happy with me. She won't open up to me anymore. At the beginning, she was so open and now she's closed that door for me, right? And then maybe she's also closed the door on sex, most likely. She's also now closing the door on sex for me. 
and you're going, okay. And then you want to maybe jump to compassion because you heard it on a podcast or something like that. And so you're like, well, let me see if I can put myself in her shoes. And you're going, well, I, okay, I can see where I'm not a safe place for her. If you're even, you know, you're that evolved. And at the same time, if you haven't looked at yourself and go, why am I creating this environment where I'm not making my woman feel safe, right? If you go like, why am I doing this? Why am I creating this environment? It's most likely from a place that we don't want to look at, especially as men with egos. We don't want to jump out of our ego and go like, I actually feel a lot of inadequacy because I haven't found my purpose. I haven't found my mission. I like to call them quest. You guys, I'm a huge superheroes fan. Like I love superhero shit. And so I love like thinking of my life as a quest all the time. And so like they haven't found their quest yet. And then especially if you're attracted to successful women, then you're on a whole nother level of insecurity because somehow she's found her quest and she's killing it at it. And now you're sitting there going like, why do I keep treating her this way? Like I can be compassionate and go like, oh yeah, I am definitely closing you out, shutting you out. And I'm definitely not showing up and I'm going out and staying out too late with the buddies or I'm drinking too much or I'm doing all these things. Why am I doing this to this wonderful woman? Right. And then you have to look at yourself. You have to look at a part of yourself that you might not want to look at. And that's, you know, what I'm doing this because I'm hurting myself. Well, and that's almost always the case, right? I mean, I think the first stage is is just denying it and projecting it onto the other person. If you finally make it to a stage where you're willing to look at yourself, there's going to be some uncomfortable things to face off with. You know, this this whole journey—that's what it's all about. You don't you don't make it very far down this path without facing off with some uncomfortable truths about yourself. And if you're not if you're not encountering any uncomfortable truths about yourself, then you're believing your own bullshit and surrounding yourself with people who are happy to let you sit in the stink. So. Check yourself with that. That's like an important piece to remember. Yeah. And something I want to say, because I know you have a large amount of men that listen to this podcast is, and it's okay if you check in with yourself and go, oh, I'm not on purpose and I'm not feeling like my life is meaningful. And I am feeling like my partner is way ahead of me at that game right now. And it's okay to check in with yourself and then find a way to communicate that with your partner because When you do that, when you actually admit where you're at and then you admit it with your partner, you're going to have a completely different partner, right? She's going to change immediately into this person who's going to be able to understand a little bit, be able to be compassionate towards you as well, right? And not to fix you, but to go like, oh, then the way you're acting isn't about me. It's not because you don't find me attractive or you're not in love with me anymore or because you don't want to share and be intimate with me and share every part of your day with me. Oh, you just need to kind of figure this stuff out that you're going through. Like it gives that other person a space to come from because as women, we will make it all about how we are not good enough because society already tells us that. So if there's any inkling of that in our relationship, we will take it on. Right. And even with that level of honesty, I'm really glad you bring that up because it shines light on another topic for me. I want to talk about that level of honesty even though it might reveal that you're not compatible with this person anymore based on the truth of where you're at. I have to imagine that a woman would appreciate much more being told the truth of why someone feels distant or why you're, you're a little more withdrawn or why you've been numbing yourself out than to make up the story about it being something that she's not inadequate with. Right. So at least, at least do her right in that way. And as like a side note, public service announcement, Guys, stop ghosting women. I didn't realize that this was a thing, but just stop, stop, stop doing that. I mean, I have to imagine again that 
a woman would much more appreciate you telling her, honestly, I'm really just not that interested. I'm not actually available right now. I'm not into you. I'm interested. I've got a girlfriend. I've got somebody else. Anything is way better than just leaving it up to the mystery because then I think ladies are out there left to fill in the blank. And it's creating a horrible subculture out there. I know within the online dating realm, and maybe maybe you want to shed some light on that as a woman and also someone who's supporting a lot of people who are going through that journey. Yeah, I would love to. The first thing I want to say is up until actually 2021, I've only coached women. I am going to start coaching men in 2021 as I'm seeing a lot more men reach out to me for support. But I coach women on having those conversations because I know that in the boyhood, when you're still in your boy, I don't know the best way to put it, but like when you're still not acting from that place of your childhood boy, the wounded boy, I know that you may not have the tools to have that conversation. And so I feel like, well, you know who I can coach those conversations with is women. And so what I tend to do is actually have the women, whether it's a text message or a call say, Hey, can you just let me know that you are not interested and we can end the conversation there. And at first it's scary for women. I've had, but when they first start doing it, right? They're like, rejection, you know, like, and then they get the first rejection. They're like, this feels amazing. Literally, Jetty, that's how they feel. I feel free. I feel free to move on without wondering what I did wrong or why hasn't he called me or, and it's not even that big. It literally, I've had a guy go like, yeah, you're right. I'm just not in the same place as you. Or you know what? I actually have me and my ex are actually trying to make it work after all. And I didn't want to bring you into that. Like I would say nine out of 10 times, Jetty, what's beautiful is the men respond. They don't leave it on ghosts. When they're asked to confront what happened, like, hey, we went on three dates. We had an amazing chemistry. You told me that I was this beautiful human being inside and out. And then I never heard from you again. I just need to know what happened or is this over so I can move on. And nine times out of 10, that's what's beautiful about men is, oh, because even the knight, right? The young boy, even the wounded boy is a people pleaser. So, okay, then I can give you that answer. I can tell you. Because you're asking for it, right? You're asking for me to give you an honest answer. You've opened up the space for it. So I coach women a lot on ask the question. And when you first get rejected, you think it's going to be like the most painful thing. And then you're like, no, actually, I'm free. I feel amazing, right? I feel good about that. So that's the side I've been coaching on women. On the men's side, I had this conversation recently with a man. So I love that you brought this up. Is I actually said, I don't understand why men have such a hard time rejecting women. Like, why they ghost? Why don't they just say, hey, not interested, but thanks, or you're wonderful. I hope you find what you're looking for and move on. Like, it's not a painful conversation, especially if you only go on a few dates. And he said, this man said, and it opened up my eyes because it's what we were just talking about full circle, is it's not about being worried that the woman can't take it, is that men don't handle rejection very well. So they just assume women don't handle rejection very well either. And I was like, oh, I never thought about like, it might just be a fear of their own insecurities around rejection that they're like, oh, well, I wouldn't want someone to say that to me. You know, like I would, that would really hurt my ego. If this woman that I thought was super hot and awesome was like, nah, dude, I'm not into you. They think it's a kindness almost in a way sometimes of like, well, I wouldn't want that. And I just never looked at it from that perspective. And so my advice to any men listening is you might also feel free right? You might also, I know Jetty talks a lot about integrity on here. You might be able to start to see that glimmer of what it feels like to be in integrity. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't worked with Jetty or you haven't done the work, but you like this podcast because of what it represents, those are those little things you can do 
that are going to start to be big things, right? That little text message after a date. My friend went on a date with a guy and he literally messaged afterwards, you were awesome. I don't feel like we have an emotional connection. I hope what you, you find what you're looking for. Was she bummed? Yeah, because she was like, that guy was amazing. And she's like, well, now I know why he's amazing. Look at, he was able to have a conversation with me about this not going anywhere after a first date. He, I was right. He is a catch and he's not my catch, but he's a catch. Just that little thing. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up integrity because that's exactly what it made me think of. And I think a lot of guys, I'm sure the guys out there who are ghosting women and having a difficult time approaching that hard conversation are worried about how someone else is going to feel and trying to, trying to take care of their feelings. But I remember back, this is right before I met Carrie, I had just ended one relationship and I was traveling on the road and I had a romantic fling with a girl that I had met a few years prior and I was revisiting and we came back and, and we had another romantic encounter and I was really into her. And we, you know, we were both kind of like flaming it up really fast and thought something was going to happen. And then when I left and to keep traveling, it kind of fizzled out and she didn't seem like she was available. And then I met Carrie and obviously, you know, we know, we know where that ended up. And this girl circled back into my life and was interested again. And I remember feeling really guilty because I was looking at my part in that. And I was like, you know what? I said a lot of things. I made a lot of like promises to her. Like I'll come back here. I'll, we'll date, I'll, I'll move to this area and we can check it out. She had a child, a small child. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll get a job and we can make it happen. I was really, cause that's what I was gearing towards. I wanted to start settling into that phase of my life. And when she didn't take the bait on it right away, but then came back later, I was like, uh Oh, here, I want to go this way. And I had to have a really uncomfortable conversation with her. And she wasn't happy with me for a while. And we didn't, it, we didn't have a, any kind of interaction for at least a year or two. Cause I told her, I basically had to say, Hey, I, I met someone else and I'm really interested. And I, I apologize if I led you on blah, blah, blah. But at least I felt clear because I remember there was like a week where I was like, I just don't want to respond. <laughs> I just don't want to say anything because I don't want to let her down. I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want to look like an asshole because of what I know that I said. I had a very clear recollection of what I said I would do. And ultimately it felt way better, even though it was uncomfortable temporarily. And I know that eventually, you know, she came around and she could really respect that, even though it was uncomfortable at first. So that integrity piece, you got to live with it. You got to live with it. If you, and I'm sure there's guys that are out there hurting, knowing that they're like, you're not facing off with that uncomfortable moment of just saying, Hey, I'm not into you, or this isn't working for me. It's better. It's yeah. way better to rip off the bandaid than to just try and keep peeling it back a little bit at a time. Yeah. Or leaving it unsaid and open, mm. like an open wound. Yeah. Right. And so, so when you take inventory of the relationship you're calling into your life, whether you're a man or a woman, you're calling into and you're taking inventory of that. And you're also bringing into that inventory checklist. Well, you know, women tend to, you know, be needy or there are women who goes too. they're flaky and you bring all that in. It's because those conversations haven't happened. Right. So like all that comes with you. Right. So, so if you want to just be completely like, like what's in it for me in these conversations, other than the integrity, you also get to close all of those open wounds so that when when that person shows up, they don't have to deal with it, right? They don't have to be the one to deal with the fact that maybe before you met this man, you had been in three abusive relationships before that, right? Because you dealt with those relationships and you closed them out and then you got to really be open for the next that next phase. Recently, I was talking to a man and he was wanting to break up with his girlfriend and he was like, you know, conscious uncoupling. And I hadn't heard that. I know I'm in the relationship world. I didn't know this was a thing, <laughs> but I was like, wait, I've been 
fucking coaching that shit for 30 <laughs> years now. I've been doing that before new. it was a thing. Yeah, this is not new to me. Like conscious uncoupling is a real thing. It's the conversations we can have even when we're dating. Even if it's just one date, you can still go consciously unattack yourself to that person with that one text message or phone call or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm so sensitive to the time because there's so much wisdom that you have. So I want to like, I want to jump around to a few things because I know we can just go on all day. Resignation in the dating world right now. You said that was a big thing that's coming up. I'm so grateful that I got out of the dating game like eight years ago when I met Carrie, because I've seen so many people around me, people that I love just really struggling to find that person out there. And I remember even when I was like in my mid twenties feeling like I'll never find my person. And I can't imagine what it must be like to be in, you know, in your thirties or further along your journey and just wanting to have that person come into your life. So what are you seeing out there that, you know, people that, and maybe it's connected to the online dating thing about people not feeling like, kind of like, oh, there's nobody out there. Might as well give up. Might as well just, you know, solo it and something like that. Yeah. What Jenny and I were talking about earlier is I'm noticing this pattern. I'm currently enrolling for one of my programs, which I'll talk about at the end. And I'm seeing this pattern in these coaching calls around this resignation of ever finding love. So these women are like, okay, I'm done with finding love and a partner. Can you show me how to live my life single and happy the way you are, right? Like you're single, you're happy. I want to, I want to be like that, you know? And for me, I'm like, well, part of that is I'm not in resignation. <laughs> like, I still believe my partner's out there and I have standards and boundaries and I continue to, you know, work on myself. Part of the reason you're feeling that way is resignation. And so what I mean by that is even if you're on a dating app, even if you're out there going on dates, you're still in this mood. Uh, I'm seeing a trend of this mood of resignation. And the resignation is there aren't any good men out there anymore. There aren't any good women out there. I hear from men too, by the way. This isn't one-sided, by the way. Every woman I meet just wants to party. That's that's the thing I've been hearing lately. She just wants to party. She wants to have a good time. She wants to travel. She doesn't want to ground. She doesn't want to commit. Like I've heard that a lot lately. Every man I meet out there, ghost, he's non-committal. He wants something casual. And there's a resignation of, I'm ever gonna, going to attract what I want. Like, that's the resignation. I'm never going to attract what I actually want. So instead, I'm going to play the game, right? I'm going to play the game, the dating game, the numbers game. I'm going to go on tons of dates. I'll, I'll do something casual because that's what the man wants or on the, or, you know, the man that I was speaking to recently. Or you know what? If she wants to party, then fine. We'll go party. We'll do, we'll do edibles every weekend. We're, like, we resign to like, this is what I'm going to have to have if I want to be in partnership. I've resigned that what I truly desire, an intimate connection with a powerful, beautiful partner who's also on that same journey of an intimate connection with me and growing together doesn't exist. I'm resigned to playing whatever games out there in the dating world right now. And it's really interesting, Jetty, because about three months ago, I got off online dating because I was living in resignation. I like, I was like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna have to go on a date with this guy. Or like, it was just so resigned to what I had to do to find my partner, especially during a, a pandemic. And then I was like, Erica, you coach on this. You know better that you don't have to do what everyone else is doing to attract love. You don't have to play the game. If that's not what you desire, you don't have to play it. And I think if we find that more people, men and women are honest about what they really want right now, we could start to conquer this epidemic of resignation and really be in this place of intimacy and connection again and in love and in partnership. 
like the mood is resignation. This is all that's out there. This is what I get, right? I have to be on online dating. Even if I don't like it, I have to be. No, you don't. If you don't like to be on online dating, don't be on online dating. Don't, don't go on. If that's not something that if you feel resignation, if you feel resentment toward what you have to do, if it's a numbers game to you and it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. Because I guarantee you there's at least 100,000, 400,000, a million people who feel the same way as you. But we all have to be honest about where we're at. And if dating does work for you and you're excited about it, online dating, then you stay on it. Because guess what? Everybody else who's excited about online dating stays on and those people find each other. Right. I think that's the biggest problem is that people are not looking in the place that they need to be to find the person that they want to be with. It's like, well, oh, I'm never going to find my one. Well, where are you going to meet your person? Oh, I'm going to festivals and bars. I'm like, is that where you want to meet your future, you know, forever person? Is that where you want to meet your life partner is like on a night where you're drinking or doing drugs? Not everybody obviously is doing that. I know that I'm kind of painting a broad stroke there, but you know, doing the things that you love to do. I know this is a big thing that you've always spoken to, for, especially for single people, is doing what you are naturally called to and what you love. Because if you're going someplace that isn't actually in alignment with who you want to be and you haven't even become that person yet, my belief is that, first of all, you have no business promising yourself to somebody or even looking for a long-term relationship because you're just destined to fail when you start to just figuring out who you are if it's not compatible with that person. And the other part of that is you're going to encounter people that aren't actually going to support the lifestyle that you want to create. You're going to find somebody that's always going to challenge the things that you want to do. If you're finding somebody who, if you're going out to a bar, let's say, but you're really interested in hiking and the outdoors, and then you try to bring that person and say, hey, let's go camping. Don't you love camping? I love camping. I want to camp with my partner. And they're like, no, let's go get some drinks. It's like, yeah. You know, it's kind of common sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think about the last guy I dated somewhat seriously. On our third date, he asked me like, okay, what's your dream place to live, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, on like a bunch of acres, like a farmhouse, animals. I want goats. Like, I want somebody that we can afford to hire to take care of those goats. Like, I'm just like you know, like, but I want to be on the land and I want to be, you know, close enough to a city where I'm not completely isolated, but that I can choose to be isolated. And he was like, um, so living in a, a penthouse downtown doesn't attract you. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like that's nothing about that sounds fun to me. And he's like, oh, well, that's what, that's where I live. Like, that's what I have. And I was like, oh, and, and in that moment, I literally was like, do you have any wiggle room? This was date three. I, I didn't even, I don't even know if I want to marry this guy or spend the rest of my life, but I just wanted to be clear in that moment. Wait, do you have any wiggle room in this lifestyle? And he was like, well, I love the mountains. And I'm like, I love the mountains. And he's like, so mountain house, if we ever get to that point, I'm like, yeah, mountain home. Like, right? Like it was date three. Don't be afraid to have those conversations. You know, like it's okay. It doesn't mean you've committed to it, but at least you're getting an idea of who this person is. And don't lie to yourself when that person says penthouse downtown and go like, oh, well, I guess if this is my person. I could do that. No, man. Like I know that I would not be happy living that way. That's not my lifestyle. That's not who I am. And so I think a lot of times we're doing that on a smaller level in the dating world. Uh, I don't really like online dating, but I'm doing it anyways. Uh, I don't really want to go out to the bars to meet someone because that's not really how I want to meet someone, but how else am I going to do it? Which brings me to the other part. That's, that's going to trigger people, but you have to trust that your person's out there. You're going to meet them no matter what you do. Like the way Jetty and Carrie met, I'm going to bring this up because I, I think Jetty knows this. The way Jetty and Carrie met was at a time when Carrie had decided she was no longer dating. 
literally was like, that week was like, I feel so free for so long. All I've been looking for is the man of my dreams. And now I'm not, and I can do anything and anything's possible. And like, she literally felt free and a mutual friend of ours messaged both of us in a group text, message me and Carrie. Hey, a friend of ours, Jetty's in town. Would either of you guys be up to showing him around? Now, Jetty, when you know Carrie and I, both of us getting that text message on a Friday for the weekend, who's more likely to say yes to that? Yeah, definitely you. Yeah, not Carrie. Carrie's like, oh, no, um, I already have plans and my plan might be to be in my house all weekend. So that's going to be a hard no. But if he's around three weeks from now, I have an opening like that. And that, I mean, she's less like that now, but that's the Carrie at that time. Two things happened, y'all. One, I never received that text message. Never received it. And like, I've seen the message from Rusa, which is our friend, our mutual friend that has both our phone numbers in there. I never got it. Second, Carrie, because she freed herself from meeting someone was like, oh, there's so many possibility. You know, I'm going to learn to say yes more often because now she was like, what else can I do? That's different <laughs> than what I've been living, you know, for the last 30 years. And so she's like, I'm going to say yes, even though it's sporadic and spontaneous. Right. And they met. So if we can learn to get we all sit out there and we talk about the universe and you go on social media and the universe and spirituality and God, and we love to put those quotes up, but to truly live that way, to truly live that way, you really actually have to trust that whether you're on a dating app, you're in a bar, or you're just doing the things that align with what makes you happy, you're going to meet that person. Yeah. That is all about faith. It's all about trust yeah. and, and not making so much. I think a lot for a, a big chunk of my early twenties, I made it about finding someone and who I really needed to be looking for that whole time was myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of people, I mean, it's it's so cliche, right? I'm not the first person to bring that realization to the table, but that's really what I needed to do. And I think there's a lot more people out there who need to be doing that. And so what I'm encapsulating from this whole dialogue here is that how important it is for us to just be honest, honest with ourselves and what we want. Because I know that's a big thing for a lot of guys. We don't Take, we don't give ourselves permission to say what we want and we bend and we flex because we want to try and make it fit and make it work. I know women do that too. So just honesty with ourselves, honesty with the people that we encounter, because the only way that you're going to actually have the type of authentic connection you want with the person. And then this sense of forgiveness and humility that we're, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, it's going to be ugly sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be moments where you have to humble yourself and apologize and recover and humble yourself and forgive the other person for their misstep. You know, I mean, I've seen it in every relationship. I know a lot of people who have a lot of outwardly facing beautiful relationships that hundreds and sometimes thousands of people want for themselves. And I know behind the scenes that it ain't so pretty. I know people like this, like real people and myself included, it's not easy behind the scenes, but in order to have any of that, it it starts with honesty. And so um, I want to encapsulate that there. And then because we're getting close on our time, I'm going to hit you with just some lightning questions before you tell everybody where they can go and work with you. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So I'm putting you in a tough spot because I know that (laughs) these are, these are big questions. I want you to just hit me with the simple answers best you can. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first one, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Oh, such a great question. The biggest difference you're going to find between a boy and a man, if I was going to give the simplest answer is a boy is in, is still in search of his own enjoyment, fulfillment. And that's why you'll tend to use the word selfish with boys because they're still in that search. A man is in search on how he can impact the world. 
That's the biggest difference. And the world doesn't have to be the global world. It can be his little world he created for himself. So how can he impact his wife? How can he impact his children in a positive way? That's the biggest thing I've noticed is, the, and that's why there's a difference between the boy, the healthy boy to me and the wounded boy. Because the healthy boy is in search of that meaning and that purpose for fulfillment so that he can become the man that can impact in large ways the people that he loves around him. The wounded boy is how do I satisfy myself the quickest way? What's the quickest way I can just make myself happy? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it sex? Is it porn? What's the quickest way? They're looking for the quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that one. What do you love or appreciate most about men? Everything. I love (laughs) men so much. Specific. What is is one thing? Okay. Specifically, I love that men are actually really good at being honest and vulnerable all they need is a safe space to do it, like a platform or an acceptance that they're going to be accepted in that space. I love that. I think not that women don't do this, but I think that a lot of times, even in those safe places, as women, because of society, we'll still try and hide. And I have found that when a man lets you actually sit there with him, he'll, he'll be, even if it's ugly, women, even if it's ugly, like I've had conversations with men who it's not always the prettiest, like most beautiful things that they're saying about themselves or women, but they will be really honest if you say it's okay, if you give them permission to be completely honest. I love that. And then I also love that even as boys, like I think of Sika, who I love that, like, I just love Sika so much. Even as boys, men want to take care of people. And I just love that. Like, there's just this innate, like, need to take care of people around them. And um, I watched that um, I watched that with Sika. I watched that with my other little nephew, Pharaoh. Um, they just have this like, how can I make the people around me happy? And that doesn't stop as they get older. Even when they're in their selfish mode, like we were saying earlier, women, they might ghost you because they're afraid to hurt your feelings another way. Like they're still, we're like, as a woman, I know I've definitely had no problem being like, oh, thanks for saying that you like me. Yeah, I'm a no. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, Thanks, but no, you know, like, and so I love that about from a young age, you can see that if you really take a moment and stop saying boys will be boys and just observe them and their intentions, even at a young age, they want to make the people around them happy. And it's really beautiful to watch. It's true. It's true. Okay. The flip side, what frustrates you the most about men? Um, I think the, the most frustrating thing about men is that they think that the best solution sometimes is to go quiet, to go dark. It's frustrating because to us as women, it can feel like they don't trust us. And maybe they don't. Maybe in our society as women, we haven't. Actually, I'm not even going to say maybe. I know as a society, as women, in the last you know, 20, 30 years, we haven't created a safe space for men. So the result of that is they go dark. They close off. They'll do it before they'll even tell you, I'm going dark. I'm closing off. You've shut me out. They'll just do it. And it can be frustrating, especially if you're an evolved woman, because you're like, wait, no, I can build that space for you. I can do it so that you can be honest. And that can be frustrating. I also think that what can be frustrating is a man has always got the boy in him. And so I think sometimes like they want to be playful and you want to be like in a serious like this is and, and you can be frustrated. Of course, in the end, I'm sometimes grateful for that, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I get it. You are in the adventure and the fun and all the things, but you can also have a conversation with me as a woman, you know, all because you're choosing adventure right now doesn't mean you also can't choose intimacy. Like that's frustrating 
Because sometimes it's an e- it feels like for men, it's an either or. Well, I'm an adventure, so I need something casual. I can't be really intimate. I can't share with you because I'm an adventure and I'm in like ambition and whatever it may be. And for us women, because we're multitaskers, we're like, you can do both. <laughs> you can be on purpose and ambitious and adventure and you can be in partnership with me. It's possible it if is, you have that yeah. conversation with me. Yeah. I love that. That's great. <laughs> all right. Well, then last but not least, tell all of us all the great things that you're putting out there for men and for women, where to go find it and how to get to working with you. Because um, before you do that, I'll just say again, you know, I've known you for just as long as I've known Carrie, almost over eight years now. And you are one of the true gems that that a lot of people still don't know about who is so good at what you do, so supportive and really has helped myself and my wife through our relationship challenges. So yeah, everybody Thank ought you. to know about you and, and, and spend some time in your space. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, the first place you can find me is on Instagram. I call myself a love evolution coach because I believe that love is always evolving. And so love evolution coach, but my Instagram is my handles, Erica O. Vargas, which is my name. If you're more of a website person, you can find me at www.loveevolutioncoach.com. I'm in the middle of Love Detox, which is my first group coaching program. It is for women only at the moment, and it's supporting women in letting go of everything they love more than they love themselves so that they can start living at a higher vibration to attract the things their heart truly desires. And that's Love Detox. And you can find that also on my website or information on my Instagram. And I am also open to one-on-one coaching. So loveevolutioncoach.com has an application to work with me on -on one-on-one. This is for both men and women. For the men out there, I'm not starting to coach with men until 2021, but this will, my one-on-one coaching will be open to both men and women starting in 2021. So I'm very excited about that. And I also have some really big things coming up in 2021. So if you go and follow me on Instagram, I've got a relationship rehab workshop I'm working on for because now that I'm back in the depths of relationship coaching, I love the idea of needing some type of rehab for your relationship to you know re-empower that relationship to start beating again on its own. And so that's coming up in 2021. So you definitely want to follow me if that's something that you know sounds interesting to you. Beautiful. Well, everybody, again, make sure you go check it out. Erica, thank you so much. It was such a great honor to have you on here and to bring our podcast exchange full circle three years later. I love you. You know that. And thank you so much for making time to come on here and just drop some wisdom for all of us. Thank you. I love you. You know that. I love you so much and your family. Azuma Pride. I also have Azuma Pride. And I am very honored to be on here at such a pivotal, wonderful, beautiful point in the podcast. I just, I feel very blessed to share this space with you. So thank you, Jetty. Uh, you got it. Well, we'll definitely get you back on here again. And in the meantime, we'll, we'll catch you further down the road. Awesome. All right, y'all. I hope you dug this episode for real. Erica is a master when it comes to relationships. She's been my personal relationship coach in my in my marriage with Carrie and has supported us since before we got married. So she's legit. She's the truth. Go follow her. Go get involved in anything she's doing because it's bound to be solid gold. And while you're at it, go to risingman.org. Get yourself signed up for Ignite if you haven't already. The program launches officially on December 15th, but you can sign up today and get the early bird discount with 
the coupon code FIRESTARTER30. All right. Check out the link for show notes and resources at risingman.org and subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Shout out to my Rising Man power team, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Roy, and Mark. Special love to my man, Roy, who's recovering from a health issue. Uh, Sending you some healing, bro. Hope you're doing well out there and look forward to having you back on the team soon. To everyone else out there, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Destiny.